The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you interested in changing a part of your life? Whether it's finances, relationships, reducing stress, or just personal health, sometimes just changing a few small things can bring great rewards. Welcome to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wadwa. We'll provide possible steps you need to see these improvements. All we ask is that you try them out. Now, here is Dr. Serena Wadwa. Hi, and welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. It is a very hot and humid day here in the Windy City, and what an interesting topic to be talking about in terms of brain wellness. And so we are going to talk, or I'm going to talk with uh, Dr. Sherry All. She's a licensed clinical psychologist. She specializes in neuropsychology, cognitive rehabilitation, and brain wellness, and that is a really interesting term. So Welcome to the show, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. Absol- oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like I mentioned to you before, you know, this this phrase of brain wellness is so fascinating because we don't usually hear about keeping, you know, how we could keep our brains well and what that actually means. So let's let's just jump right into it and you know tell us a little bit about um, wh- what is it that you mean by brain slash cognitive wellness are they the same thing are they different you could talk about that sure yeah um, I, I kind of use them synonymously uh, I I don't know that I've ever thought of them terribly different uh, mainly because the cognition is housed in the brain and <laughs> being trained in neuropsychology uh, we kind of keep those things together but. Um, but, but yeah, I'm actually going to think about that after this, this program. <laughs> um, but, but for the most part, like what, what we're talking about is basically that people, we've learned a lot over the last 15 to 20 years about how the adult brain can continue to grow and change in lots of positive ways and that we have a lot more uh, power over kind of the, the course of our, our brain health and that there's a lot that we can do to keep our brains healthy and well and uh, both to help with peak performance now and, and getting the most out of your brain at any point in your life, but then also um, helping prevent or delay uh, brain illnesses or a cognitive decline that can come with those illnesses later on. So there's a few different things that you uh, mentioned there that I that I think are interesting. So, because traditionally, I mean, just being in the field of psychology and whatnot myself, you know, traditionally, in the um, in the information before what you mentioned, you know, we've been told that the brain is kind of uh, fully developed at the at a certain age, and. And you're, what you're suggesting is that, no, that's not necessarily true. There are ways that we can uh, keep our brain healthy, continue helping it to grow, and maybe even expand. How do we get the most out of it? Is that 
Yeah, that's that's really kind of what we're seeing. Um, we, you know, yeah, most of us were taught in uh, in in science class that the adult brain grows maybe till about age twenty five, and then it's all kind of downhill from there. But um, a few a few important discoveries over the last uh, 15, 20 years have really kind of turned that whole idea on its head, and so uh, no what, pun. Yeah, <laughs> right. sorry, I just had to say that. No pun intended. Exactly. Um, the the first being that we we learned um, back in the in the early late eighties, early nineties that that adults actually grow new brain cells. We grow brain cells uh, throughout our entire lives. Um, we learned this actually from by studying people who had survived cancer, and and, and not that this had anything to do with the cancer treatment and, and growing new brain cells, but what had happened is that people who had um, been treated with radiation treatment, the the RNA and the cells morphs a little bit, and so what it allowed it to do was to any of those cells that had been born but after the radiation treatment could accept a particular type of radioactive dye. And the, the scientists kind of went looking for cells in the brain that might, um, you know, attract this dye, and they found some in, in a small part of the brain, so it's not all over the place, but in the part of the brain called the hippocampus, it's, it's the part that helps us grow or form new memories. And uh, they found that people were growing new brain cells in that part of the brain well into their 80s, and some of the people in the study were, were well into their 80s when they passed away and donated their brain tissue and then and then were, the the tissue was studied with this dye and and these people had you know received the radiation treatment well into their 80s meaning that we seem to be growing new brain cells for for probably most of our lifespan wow so that really kind of um dispels the myth that you know your brain just kind of stays the way it is and that you just expect cognitive decline or a decline in your overall brain functioning as you grow older. Right. Yeah. So we, I mean, as a whole, our brains do become uh, a bit less efficient in a few different ways as we get older. Um, We get a little slower and it takes us a little bit longer to learn new things. Um, But on the other hand, there are skills that we hold on to and actually get better at throughout our lives, such as our vocabularies seem to never go down with age, and, and also um, just wisdom tends to increase. But, but yeah, kind of, kind of what you're saying, I and mean, we have to kind of temper some of this information because these cells are, you know, only growing in a, in a small part of the brain, and, and they probably are re- part of the process by which we form new memories. But, but yeah, we, um, it really does kind of turn that whole thing upside down, right, that, we, that our brains can change, we can add cells, to kind of our stockpile and continue mm-hmm. to kind of build that up. It's not it's not completely downhill. And in addition to that, our brains are also very plastic in other ways that the, the cells that we do have are constantly rewiring themselves, um, forming new connections. And with, uh, with the new types of brain scanning technology that we have now, we can actually watch... Uh, structures in the brain grow and increase in size through experience and then even the connection pathways between the cells we can we can watch those grow even over like a matter of weeks kind of putting people through a training program um, we can see those the connection pathways between cells get bigger really so is that is that only with like 
um, new information or knowledge, or does that happen with with anything that we do? Yeah, mostly what we're seeing is when when we learn new things, new things, new knowledge. Yeah, Um, the two studies I'm talking about specifically are one is that um, this a group of researchers in London followed a group of cab drivers who there's this elite group of uh, cab drivers who drive those black cabs in, in central London. And, and these guys have to go through this like three to four year apprenticeship process to, to get what they, uh, they literally call it the knowledge. Wow. And, and about 75% of the people who, who start that program drop out. So, so they followed a group of these new recruits um, who had to learn kind of all like the intricate web of streets and within central London and how to get from point A to point B the fastest and 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 actually watched a portion of their brain grow like get bigger over the the three to four year process um, and and then even on a more sh- uh, short term basis there there's another interesting study that came out about a year or two ago where uh, just healthy adults volunteered for a memory training class for 10 weeks of learning how to use a memory technique where you um, memorize lists of things by visualizing really elaborate um, images and kind of put, putting them along a path and, and just practicing that technique for, for 10 weeks. Um, the connection pathways within the right frontal part of their brain got bigger Wow, that's right. so. We have some information that we we can, um, in some ways, change the brain. We can um, make new connections. It sounds like, and it sounds like that the brain does um, continue its own growth in different ways as we grow. It's not just halted and whatnot. Is that, is that an accurate summary of what you're saying? Yeah, and, and pretty much from what we're seeing, the, a lot of that relies on our experience. So using our brains kind of helps mold it and change it, yeah. Okay, so then when we talk about uh, brain wellness or cognitive wellness, what, what does that refer to? It, it refers to kind of a, a large bucket of, of different things kind of within this that are sort of emerging out of this, this new understanding about the brain. Um, so for some people, kind of in a here and now kind of reference, it could mean peak performance. So learning how to use your brain in a way that's going to help you get the most out of your job or your, your lifestyle. A lot of it has to do with occupational functioning and, or, or, or even uh, high-performance situations like sports and that kind of thing. Um, so, so a lot of what's involved there are learning techniques where you can either beef up kind of a real-world usable skill like focusing better or reading faster um, or something like that or learning good um, self-regulation techniques where you can... Um, train yourself to use your brain in a more effective way by helping it stay engaged and not perhaps get hijacked by emotions or difficult situations or or things like that. Um, Those are really kind of the main applications of cognitive wellness on like a, on a present level. And then there's a lot of interest in, uh, in terms of prevention or preventative health because 
uh, we're terrible at treating dementias. By the time a, a dementia sets in and a person um, who's, you know, in their, in their later life, uh, by that point, so much of the brain is deteriorated that, that there's not a lot we can do. We can try to slow it down and help people maintain function. But what we're really uh, moving towards is, is, is a model of prevention, and, and we're really understanding that there's a lot we can do throughout our lives to lower our personal risk for dementia. And so a lot of uh, cognitive wellness focuses on that, kind of a, a future-oriented goal of um, helping helping reduce your personal risk for dementia. So for the listeners that um, are on right now, you know, if I'm, I'm wondering, okay, they're hearing about, okay, so we're talking about cognitive wellness as, as a bucket that includes things like peak performance, being able to read faster or, you know, like get the most out of your brain kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's this other side of it in terms of preventative health where um, cognitive wellness is about what are things that people can do to prevent or reduce their risks of vulnerability to uh, like dementia and other types of cognitive um, impairments. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering just in the minute that we have left for break, before we go to break, um, you know, just for the, for the, for the listeners, I'm just wondering if they're freaking out that they have like something they need to be working on or not working on. Do they, I mean, in a general term, do we find that cognitive wellness is like day-to-day functioning is, or does it really relate to how well you regulate your emotions and your ability to read, um, you know, how you use your brain um, does that make sense? I don't know yeah. if it's... Yeah, I mean, okay. if I had to boil it down quickly to three things that we could do for, for optimal brain wellness um, that would be moving our bodies, and I can talk more about that um, later if we need to, and then learning new things and self-regulation, like uh, stress management and emotion control. And, and those are kind of the three main areas that, that you can really um, start to intervene in, in an efficient way. Great. Well, then when we come back from break, then we will talk more about that. So stay tuned. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Take charge of your fitness and take charge of your healthy life. Listen for Be Fit for Life with your host, Chad Austin. Think back over the past week, the past month, the past years. Are you like a lot of other people? Too busy with the kids, work, travel, social calendars, business calendars, the day, the night, this and that. Make the decision to be healthier. Just do it. Chad Austin has made a living from motivating people to stop excuses and make fitness a priority in their lives. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drserenawathwa at gmail.com. That's drserenawathwa at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. All right, and welcome back. Thanks for uh, tuning in and staying with us. I was just telling uh, Sherry during the break how cognitively I'm feeling a bit foggy today myself, so this is really good information to know. Um, So before the break, you had mentioned that there are these three um, strategies that listeners can try out in order to um, really enhance the brain and their cognitive wellness. And I know you mentioned that there are also um, small component or components of a bigger thing that you call the brain 401k. And so I wondered if you can talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so brain 401k is uh, just kind of a trick, a catchy phrase that I came up with to actually attempt to popularize a scientific theory that's been around for actually over a decade now. Um, in in the early about 2000, the year 2000, a neuropsychologist at Columbia University wrote a couple of papers, kind of summarizing uh, a body of literature that was in really just kind of summarizing and giving a name to um, a bunch of evidence that we were seeing that people's people don't always respond uh, cognitively or functionally to injury or illness in, in predictable ways, ways that we would expect. And there's a lot of variation. So there are some people who can um, have a really tiny stroke or head injury or um, something like that and, then, and lose a whole bunch of skills rapidly. And then there are people who can sustain a really large injury or have large amounts of Alzheimer's disease growing in their brains and still be kind of pretty sharp and, and not really show any signs of cognitive decline on a behavioral level. And so what, what he called that was your cognitive reserve and mm. um, it's kind of a, a, a storage account or a reserve account of, of cells and skills that people really seem to vary in, in how much they have stored in the bank. And, and so I call it your brain's 401k. And, 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 and the, early, the early studies in this area started to kind of look at traits of people who had high levels of reserve, what was different about them. And, and what they found was that people with high reserve tend to be more active throughout their lives, not only intellectually, but also socially and physically. And so now that we've known about this for uh, about a decade, we've, we've really kind of built up um, our understanding in this area, and what we're finding is that we can not only work to try to minimize deductions of our 401k as we get older, like we have always thought about the brain, but we can actually actively invest in our brain 401k throughout our lives uh, it, by kind of following a couple of really simple lifestyle um, patterns. Okay, so so I know like when I hear the word investment, 
<laughs> yeah. just, I mean, I'm just like, oh, investment, wait a minute. That sounds risky. Oh. It sounds it, so it sounds like that, but that, you know, that could be only, you know, my my view here. So it sounds like though what you're suggesting is that you really are making this investment in not only your present functioning, but also just long term. Like just to keep your brain giving all that it can give throughout your life. Right. Yeah, that's the idea. Okay, <laughs> not, yeah. not to conjure up anxiety about investing. Um, most of these investments are very low risk. Okay. Um, yeah, because I know that I know there's this association, especially you know, given the age that we're in right now, that you know, investment tends to be kind of one of those okay, cautious words, cautious. But it sounds like there's really a lot more ways that we can maximize what we put into, um, like what you said, lifestyle changes and just really simple strategies that can really give us a huge return on on what we get from it. Right. Yeah, that's the idea. Okay. So yeah. one of the things that you mentioned was uh, um, moving our bodies. Right. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So physical activity really seems to be, at the present moment, probably the very, like, one best thing you can do for your brain. Um, It it definitely has the best evidence supporting it in terms of uh, our ability to run experiments and get um, good, really good quality data. And what we're seeing is that people, when people are physically active, either through exercise or through an active lifestyle, um, that it actually helps us grow more brain cells. So when we talked earlier about how we're growing brain cells throughout our lives, um, people who who engage in some um, vigorous activities grow more more of those brain cells, and so you can really kind of bump up your uh, investment just by by moving around. Um, the the second benefit of that of a physical activity, in addition to all of the heart, I don't want to discount like all the cardiovascular um, benefits of physical activity that we've known about for a long time, because what's good for your heart's good for your brain, and you need a constant supply of blood flow to your brain, um, and and need to really lower the risk for a stroke and, and that kind of thing to to maintain your skills. Um, but so in addition to those cardiovascular benefits, we're seeing these direct benefits of of growing more brain cells, and then also we produce higher levels of uh, certain chemicals in the brain called uh, bra- uh, gro- nerve growth factors, and they're, they're kind of like miracle grow for your brain cells. Uh, so they help you, um, they help the new baby brain cells uh, stick around and and grow up, and then they also help your existing brain cells. Uh, stay pliable and make new connections. And so these growth factors are, are really important. And we see, we can actually measure that in the blood um, and, and watch levels of, of these growth factors increase through both um, cardiovascular activity and also strength training. Uh, is that is that a possible reason why some people, because like I've heard, um, you know, like, when people have a problem that they are frustrated about solving and they don't know how to solve it, they'll like go for a walk or they'll go for a run or, um, you know, go dancing or something. And then after, after that happens, they're able to come up with some sort of solution or some sort of resolution to the, to the problem. Is that maybe perhaps one explanation for why that may happen? Yeah, that could be, um, uh, some other explanations may be that, uh, a benefit of 
of being physically active is that your um, your body actually relaxes quite a bit once you're finished, and and that can have a significant impact on helping engage your brain, and and also just kind of getting some distance from a problem can be really helpful too. And and there's uh, some interesting studies on insight that that have been coming out the last few years on that that really kind of walking away from a problem can be really helpful to help you kind of get an aha moment. You, you really sort of need to almost even dial down your concentration a bit. So like sleeping on it, um, that kind of thing is, can be helpful. But, but yeah, nerve growth factors may be part of that. Um, at least our memories are improved on the short term whenever we are physically active. So there's some interesting experiments where people have um, been given a memory test and then um, you know, some of them just sit around in, in like a delay period and then some people are put on a treadmill or an elliptical and, and uh, asked to kind of work till they're pretty exerted. And the people who have the exertion and the physical activity perform better on the memory test uh, from that delay. Oh, wow. Okay. So what would you, what do you recommend then for listener? Cause you know, when we talk about physical activity and we talk about moving our bodies, I mean, there's, you know, what, what the um, guidelines are from the government and what the doctors recommend and what have you typically seen um, to be beneficial for individuals to try? Like mm-hmm. if, like for the listeners, you know, that are like, oh, you know, maybe I want to do that and, and, and start moving. What, what might you suggest as some beginning steps for that? Sure. Yeah. So, so um, we don't have new, any new guidelines on physical activity um, outside of kind of what people have been recommending for the heart. Uh, so those are kind of a good baseline. Uh, you okay. just stick with that, like a combination of uh, cardio and strength seems to really be the, the, um, the way to go, and, and so we're not really, like, changing any of the kind of baseline recommendations, but on a practical level, my advice really is to just find something that's fun and do it, <laughs> right? and, and, not, and try not to bite off more than you can chew, and, and just find something that you can really stick with, and, and that it, what we're seeing in terms of the research is that every little bit or I'm sorry, it doesn't seem like that there's kind of a max on return on benefit in terms of um, at least long-term brain investment. So people who are the most physically active tend to be building more reserve. But um, on the other hand, like you don't have to run out and start training for marathons tomorrow. I think every little (laughs) bit counts, right? (laughs) I was going to say that's not happening. (laughs) No, it's not, right? It's not happening with me either. Um, So so I just try to get my heart rate up for about 10 minutes every day uh, or more and, uh, you know, break a good sweat and, and, and see what happens. And, and, and you, you know, you feel better that way at least. And, um, there, uh, a study with older ladies who were kind of in their 70s uh, found that women who walked six to nine miles a week uh, had uh, significantly less progression to Alzheimer's disease. They followed them for about seven years. So, so even, you know, a two-mile walk three times a week seems yeah. to be showing benefit, at least in these older adults. Um, and, and even kind of maybe getting a Fitbit or a, some kind of, of activity monitor can really help us too. And so you don't have to go like join a big fancy gym and, um, 
<laughs> but, but just increasing your overall activity day to day can can be helpful. Uh, I want to mention that there was there was an interesting study in older ladies um, with physical activity where we saw the brain actually grow in size. Uh, mm-hmm. The the hippocampus tends to shrink by about one and a half percent every year when people are in their sixties, and um, these. Uh, experimenters assigned people to either a stretching and toning group or a, a pretty vigorous walking group. And uh, the stretching and toning group showed the same kind of decrease in volume of the hippocampus over a year. But the uh, the cardio walking group, their, their hippocampi actually grew by about 2%. And the conclusion of that study was that, it, that physical activity can actually reverse one to two years of age-related volume loss. And wow. I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting around late at night watching an infomercial on, like, the latest <laughs> treatment for, <laughs> for brain loss, and they, they said one to two years of, of uh, volume loss, it can reverse that, then I'd be pretty interested, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, and maybe all you have to do is buy a new pair of sneakers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like even that uh, just just getting up and maybe like um, like what we typically hear for physical activity, parking a little bit further away from the door entrance, like what you're at the grocery store, or taking the stairs maybe for one flight and then taking the rest in an elevator, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all really great little tricks. Standing, um, getting up and moving around. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't think that we have anything novel to add to this. It's just, just do something and you know, get off our butts every now and then as much as we can. And, and the more, the better, but every little bit counts. Wonderful. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about some of these other pieces um, that listeners you can invest in in order to keep your brain well. So stay tuned. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You read about it in health news every day. Cancer rates are going up. Obesity in the U.S. is on the rise. Heart disease and diabetes are top killers every year. We can follow the advice of our doctor, but cravings persist. Weight goes up and energy is still down. It doesn't have to be like this. Tune in for Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. You'll learn how you can work with your body to feel better and look better, too. Body Balance Talk airs live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wathwa at gmail.com. That's Dr. Serena W A D H W A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. All right, and welcome back. We are talking with Dr. Sherry all about brain and cognitive wellness and or however we're going to figure that one out. And um you know, Sherry, you were talking about um, the Brain 401k and that one big part of it is really just keeping physically active or at least being more active than maybe our quote-unquote normal routine. And so we talked about some different things that listeners could try out in order to uh, in order to get up and get moving, so to speak. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, another component of this 401k is learning new things. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. Sure. I'd love to. So, um, so I would say it's kind of like the second step in, in a good investment strategy <laughs> process <laughs> for your brain. <laughs> um, because I mentioned earlier that, you know, as we grow new brain cells, uh, we can grow more of them when we're, at, when we're physically active. Uh, but the, these baby brain cells don't don't really stick around unless we give them a job. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so they're actually um, new brain cells are, are stem cells. They start off as stem cells, and so and we know stem cells you know can be any they can take on any function in the body. They can grow up to be any kind of cell, and for them to actually become a new neuron or a new brain cell, they have to get trained. And, and what that means is they actually have to be stimulated by neighboring brain cells. And so, so to, if they're not stimulated, then they're actually kind of reabsorbed back into the system, or that's a nice way of saying that they die. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so really by learning new things is a way for you to kind of keep those brain cells that, that you grew when you were on the treadmill and, and kind of integrate them into the system in your in like the neural pathways in your in your brain and um, help them stick around. So yes, and in a you know really efficient way to do that is is to learn new things. And can that be anything like learning? Uh, I don't know, like a new language or learning a new skill or learning a new dance move or or is it like very specific things that um, focus on that? Yeah, um, right now it seems like it can be anything. Um, we're seeing positive results from all of those things that, that you mentioned. Um, there's, we, there's a famous study from probably oh, going on 10 years now of uh, like people learning how to juggle, um, 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> right. So there are people walking around for a while going, juggling's good for your brain. <laughs> and, and maybe it's not that juggling necessarily is good for your brain, but it's like learning something new because you, you know, if you think about when you're learning something new, the first time you try it, it's, it's pretty hard, but then it gets easier over, over time. And, and what seems to really account for a decent amount of that is that your brain is kind of remolding and that you're building a new pathway. And so if you think about your reserve account, the more pathways you have, the more you have to lose before you start to show um, visible signs of cognitive decline. Um, we can think of them as kind of like backup routines, perhaps. Like if you know three ways to, to work a division problem and one of those gets knocked out by a little stroke or something, then you've got some workarounds. And, and so the more pathways you have, the, the better off you are. And, and so I, I, right now it seems like that learning anything seems to be helpful and doing something that's novel, challenging, and, um, and having a lot of variety seems to be the best approach. Um, although, you know, there may be some basic skills that, that could be helpful for, for certain people. Um, and, and so we're seeing a little bit of, uh, work in, in that area to try to, maybe beef up a, t- a particular skill, like if you improve attention, then maybe you can help a lot of other um, types of, of cognitive skills. Oh, so there is some research and some, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I'll just stick with research about that focusing on certain things um, may be helpful in expanding other things. Perhaps. We're not seeing a okay. lot of that. Okay. Um, mostly what we're seeing is that when you train one skill, you get good at that skill. Um, we, not, it, the research is still pretty new in a lot of these areas, and there's a lot that we need to, to kind of keep looking, exploring. Um, but on, if you think about it on a fundamental level, this kind of on the other hand, um, if, in, in being able to remember things, we can't, Attention is really kind of the gateway to, to new learning. We can't remember things that we can't pay attention to. And so, um, so that may be at least one kind of fundamental skill that, that could be helpful in helping expand other, other skills, um, beefing up someone's focus or their capacity to hold things in their mind. So what do you recommend then? Like, Let's say that listeners are, um, you know, very curious about this and they want to try this out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I'm thinking about like listeners, uh, you know, we're all busy. We all have five million things that we're trying to cram into a day, um, you know, and then new things happen. And, you know, I'm curious what you may suggest when you talk about learning new things. Like what about for like really, really busy people? Mm-hmm. How, what? Yeah. So. Right, really busy people. <laughs> uh, well, it depends on how you're busy, right? Are, are you busy? Like, does, does your the busyness of your life is that challenging your brain? Um, this field is is kind of growing in, in decent size, but and I sort of feel like the youngster among the group of of people who are kind of talking about brain wellness, and and so I'm always kind of going, what about us really busy 30 something, you know, who, who, you know, have mentally stimulating jobs. We're having to learn new routines all the time. Maybe we're having kids and I mean, having kids is like ugh, brain training. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I mean, I just think about the la- the new language that I learned, just it, deciphering what my toddler is trying to say to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's a new thing then, right? It's a new thing, right? Yeah. Uh, Catherine Ellison has a really great book uh, called it's like the, the Mommy Brain, and she really talks a lot about brain plasticity that happens in uh, – in motherhood and and how our brains are changing just from that experience alone. And um, so I I think it kind of depends on what's keeping you busy. Um, If you're busy with a really mentally stimulating job and you don't feel like you really need to beef up your focus, then, then I don't think that, I mean, most of the brain fitness field is really a lot of stimulation um, with software and puzzles and games. And, and I don't actually think that meets, the needs of a lot of people who have intellectually stimulating lives already. Um, so, so what I kind of recommend for those people are to, that, that the other buckets of investment may actually have a better payoff in the long run um, or even in the short run that, that maybe spending more time being physically active and, and not sitting in front of a computer stimming out your brain um, maybe the, a better way to spend your time. It certainly is for me. And then, and then the third thing that we're going to talk about in a minute is kind of stress management and and um, kind of learn relaxing. Period. <laughs> oh, so, okay. So yeah. let me just jump back for a moment. So mm-hmm. it sounds like then, like for listeners that may already have busy lives, what your suggestion is is that looking at okay, well, if you already feel like you're mentally challenged. Uh, not challenge. Let me rephrase this. <laughs> that context, Hold on. Yeah, challenge yes. mentally and right. challenging yourself. Right. Yeah. Yes, you're already challenging yourself, or you're already stimulated by the work that you do or the activities that you're engaged in on a day-to-day basis. Then, then this may not be necessarily a, an investment that you need to put so much into. Right. If you're if you feel like you're learning right. new things already, yeah. Then, then yeah, I think you're you're pretty set. That it may become more of a priority later in your life, like when things become more routine, your responsibilities go down, people retire, those kinds of things. Empty nest syndrome. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. What about then like, um, you know, because like perhaps a lot of listeners also commute, uh, you know, or they're in the car, you know, they drive to work or whatever. Are there like um, things that you can recommend um, to use, quote unquote, up that time? Hmm. <laughs> um, I, I mean, again, like, it kind of depends on your investing priorities, right? Like, okay. I mean, if you, I, I know that there are days where I get in the car and the last thing I want to do is learn something new or, or I can't even <laughs> listen in PR. Like I just am done. Right. And <laughs> so, you know, Lady Gaga is way better <laughs> for my brain at that point. <laughs> We're learning a new language (laughs) in music. (laughs) Okay, so what about, um, because I know one of the things that comes to mind for people is that we hear about, um, and we've only got a couple of minutes before break, but we hear about that uh, Lumosity Uh program. What, What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, that can be really helpful for, for certain people. Again, it, it kind of depends on your investment needs. And, and I wanted to comment about the, the car thing. I mean, if you do have a mind-numbing job, then the, then the car may be actually a good opportunity to, you know, learn a new language or learn new facts, like listen to catch up on current events, that kind of thing. Um, but so Lumosity, I think, is really good for people who either want to boost a particular skill, like get better at focusing, um, get better at remembering names, that kind of thing, um, or if you don't have a mentally stimulating lifestyle. 
um, that can be really helpful. Uh, there are, it's not the only game in town, so um, I kind of recommend that people shop around, and I do consultations for, to help match people with the right software program. Um, it's just the biggest name at this point in the field, um, but there may be other programs that, that are a little bit better fit for kind of what your training goals are. Cool. And what about, like, is there, does it, um, does it make a difference in terms of how much time you spend? Yeah. Um, so yeah, being a casual Lumosity user probably doesn't do a whole lot for you. Um, what we recommend is about 30 to 45 minutes a day, uh, three to five days a week. 30 to 45 minutes a day. I'm sorry, say that again, three about to four three days, to five a days a week. Oh, okay. So kind of like um, what you may uh, even invest in like moving your body and working out. Yeah, because you kind of have to have a consistent dose and of of the training for it to really take effect. Okay. Okay. So we're looking at, okay, moving your bodies and there's some uh, variation with how much investment to put into that. And then also with learning new things and challenging yourself, there's also variation in, in how much you invest in that. Mm-hmm. I think kind of depending on what your baseline is, where you're coming from. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, when we come back, we'll talk about the third component um, or third strategy that's in uh, Dr. All's Brain 401k. So stay tuned. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly, but instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine, navigating the cancer maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wadwa at gmail.com. That's Dr. Serena W A D H W A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. 
All right, and welcome back. We're talking with Dr. All about brain slash cognitive wellness. And uh, you were talking with us about your brain 401k, which I think is such a great catchphrase. Um, you know, just just the whole concept of the investment that uh, we may want to look at putting into our own brain and cognitive wellness so that we do have a good return on it later in life. Um, so I know the third component that you mentioned or the third strategy in your 401k relates to self-regulation. And if you could talk about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so self-regulation kind of just includes a lot of uh, either either learning how to regulate our emotions and behaviors in, in a particular way, and then also kind of mixed in with that is a, is a bit of stress management. Um, the two kind of play together quite a bit. And so, um, and, and generally what I'll talk about in terms of brain health so self-regulation can be really helpful in terms of peak performance, um, but then even over in, in terms of like long-term brain health, um, uh, reducing the amount of stress is wear and tear on your brain is really helpful for kind of maintaining those investments that you make in, in your brain 401k. Um, so the stress hormone cortisol is toxic to brain cells and it keeps new ones from growing. So it can actually prevent you from growing more brain cells. Um, and then it can kill off the ones you have already. So, um, so you can't really eliminate stress in our lives, but kind of restoring a natural balance of we're, we're kind of built to go through cycles of getting stressed and then relaxing. And uh, most animal species will kind of do this naturally, but humans have the ability to stress ourselves out with our minds. <laughs> <laughs> So, so in a lot of cases, we can be in a constant state of fight or flight, which means that we're constantly pumping out stress hormones, including cortisol, and then our brain cells are kind of bathing in this and, and then are, you know, kind of exposed to toxins that, that we could, could get rid of um, if we just took some time to get out of fight or flight and to spend some time in, in the opposite state, which can't be active at the same time, which is like kind of the rest and digest um, state and where, and we can do that through either um, going to a yoga class. We, we have a rebound of that state after we exercise. Um, we can learn meditation techniques. There's even biofeedback uh, applications where we can get like a little heart rate monitor that tells us when we're in that state and, and we can, or even regulate our breathing um, lots of different things that we can do to, to just kind of dial down the stress level and, and give our brains a break. That's, that is a lot of different things that you could do. And it also sounds like, um, like for listeners that may have a lot of stress in their life, that not only will they be learning a new thing by learning how to relax or reduce stress in their life, but they actually then will be helping themselves regulate Right. Uh, that piece. So it's kind of exactly. like, you know, you can do two things at once with that. Yeah. And, and mindfulness practice is getting a lot of attention in, in the brain health field um, for, for that very reason, um, because it, it kind of kills multiple birds with one stone. So it lowers overall stress level, um, it helps people be engaged um, cognitively, and it, 
And it can actually be really efficient attention training because um, the, the practice of mindfulness is simply paying attention to the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of the practice is to do something with your full attention devoted to that, whatever, that one thing that you're doing. And then when you get distracted by thoughts or whatever, that you just compassionately bring your focus back to whatever you were doing. And, and that, that redirecting, refocusing is attention training all on its own. Oh, that's interesting. And it also sounds like that's very similar to what you mentioned earlier about how, um, like when we learn a new thing, we're very focused on it like the first time that we try it. Mm-hmm. Because it's something new, like what you said, our brains haven't been trained really for whatever that may be. And so we are very attentive to, um, like if we're learning how to roller skate or learning how to salsa or learning a new language, we're very attentive to all those pieces. Yeah, yeah, if you okay. can be, right, yeah, and so you're, you're paying attention. Uh, another, well, again, in the process that you're describing a little bit is where um, we, we see this on um, brain scans, that when you're learning something new, you're using a lot of your brain, but then um, those skills later get kind of moved to, um, to, your, to the part of your brain that is actually houses procedural memories. It's right, right kind of in the middle, and so acti- activity in the brain will actually go down um, when you're more skilled at something, kind of your oh your activity like your physical activity brain level acti- or brain activity will go down. Oh, brain activity. Yeah. Okay. So does that indicate then that your brain doesn't need as much attention to it, and that's why it's it's uh, decreasing? Yeah, it gets a little bit more automatic. It kind of moves ah. into, it moves into the basal ganglia, which is a group of structures that help us with, you know, learning to ride a bike, <laughs> riding a bike, you know, you okay. learn how to ride a bike and it's, it's sort of like muscle memory, um, that kind of thing. And, and so if, if we put someone who's like a novice at something in a, in a brain scanner, they'll light up a lot of their brain, but then a, uh, an expert in something will, will kind of light up less. Okay. So it sounds like too, just kind of, I mean, you know, this whole, uh, the, the word that you use was automatic and what I get from that is that in order to help, like a, an investment that we want to make in our with our brain is we don't want to always have automatic routine things. Yeah, being engaging in novel, unique experiences can, can really help. Kind of being stuck in the, the humdrum um, can, can really kind of limit your brain growth. Um, Deepak Chopra actually um, published a book last year called uh, Super Brain, and then that's his basic premise is kind of having like the automatic brain versus the super brain, and the super brain is interested in novel, unique experiences and kind of learning new things and challenging itself. Okay, and so that's the part, so that's actually then the brain that's going to, that's the one that we're making all the investments in. Yeah. Right. Is the quote-unquote super brain. And I do want to point out, I mean, the th- one thought that came to mind as we were talking about this is, you know, this, um, well, if you, you know, if listeners, as, as you're hearing some of these things that can be beneficial, and if this is something that you want to try, I was wondering, it's kind of paradoxical how with 
learning a new thing and learning how to self-regulate, reducing your stress, you're trying to do like two or three different things at once. And so <laughs> I, I was, I was just a little curious what your thoughts are about, you know, how does that, you know, it just brought to mind like this, this concept of multitasking. Is that actually something that can be beneficial to our brains? Actually, multitasking is getting a bad rap these days. Um, oh. we, we're actually not that good at multitasking. It's not as good as we thought we were. Um, our brains really, our attention at least, is only really capable of, of focusing on one thing at a time. And when you're doing two things at a time, what you're actually doing is switching rapidly between those two things. And so you're not actually doing the two things. Um, and that, but that has really kind of more with like things that you're supposed to be focusing on, like texting while driving, um, that kind of stuff. Oof. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so you can't multitask. I mean, we really we aren't great at it. trying to have a conversation and read an email. Like those those things aren't aren't great. Um, although, on the other hand, um, you know, some of these activities kind of use different parts of the brain. So so you may be able to multitask some of these things a little bit more easily. Like regulating your stress level in order to re-engage in a task, um, in order to focus a little bit better. Um, there's even some interesting research on kind of perhaps some combined effects of um, attending to a video game while exercising <laughs> that, wow. that, that people can uh, are showing a little bit better uh it's. I forget what the outcome measure was. I think it might actually be like higher levels of of the nerve growth factors, um, and and then performance on cognitive tests if they're doing the if they're doing that simultaneously over just exercising. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for the most part, I try to really kind of think of these buckets as yeah. buckets of my day, and and I try to do. I just made it a practice to do one thing at a time as much as I can. Um, because that does reduce stress because multitasking can be really stressful too. <laughs> yes, and, and so when I'm walking, I am kind of mindful uh, and I'll practice mindfulness while I'm walking. I guess I am multitasking there. Perhaps. <laughs> I just try to be fully present, right? Um, it's efficient. You can practice mindfulness in, in lots of efficient ways. You don't have to sit on a mat for a long, but even though that's helpful right. um, to, to just sit. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, that's an interesting question. I would say, like, you know, for, for things that you're focusing on, my, uh, multitasking can really get in your way. But there are ways to kind of be efficient in, in these investment strategies. Well, great. Yeah. And, great. I mean, you've shared a lot of great information with us. And so I'm wondering for the listeners that want to contact you to get in for more, more information or to, um, you know, just kind of see what services you offer, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, um, so they can come go to my website at uh, cogwellness.com, C-O-G as in cognition, and wellness as in your radio program, dot com. <laughs> um, the, my phone number is 855-COGWELL, and my email is uh, Saul, S-A-L-L, at cogwellness.com. Well, wonderful. Well, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, and I should mention, we have the Twitter and, and Facebook, too, so I think we're all cog wellness. Oh, okay. Great. Well, thanks very much for coming on today. And I really appreciate you sharing um, about the 401k and listeners stay tuned or tune in next week when we talk to Dr. Carla Steingraber, who will talk about parenting strategies. So thanks for listening and we will see you next week. 
Thanks again for making the first of hopefully many changes this week by tuning in to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time. Dr. Serena Wadwa hopes that you'll join her again next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back. 